Well, welcome to lesson three on the priority of the local church. This is the third week now in our starting point class, and it really is a joy to have you with us. And if you're listening online, thank you for doing that. Thank you for making it a priority to listen uh, on this teaching uh, on the local church. Just prior to our class this morning, I had someone ask me, what is membership? And that is a great question. If you look at your notes uh, there, the first Roman numeral, why is the church important? Does everybody have it there? Lesson three, why is the church important? Yeah. Why is it important? What is the purpose of church? What is the purpose of membership in a church? As I was asked here just a moment ago, hey, I thought I was a member just by coming. And that is true. You are. But is there more? In the Bible, is there data that teaches us that being part of a local church, a membership, let's just put it that way, is something that God calls us to? Because that conviction of membership in the local church I think is an important biblical conviction. And so today's lesson is designed to see the big picture of God's purpose in the church at large and the critical role that the local church plays in that big picture. And of course, that local church is Palm Vista Community Church. So in your notes, you see there, Roman numeral 1A, the ultimate purpose of the church. And I love what it says there. The ultimate purpose of the church is the glory of of God. God has always had a people that he's chosen for himself. And we read in Exodus 19, 4 through 6. Look in your notes there, Exodus 19, 4 through 6. Moses writing now what God said to his people at Mount Sinai when he's calling Israel out of Egypt into the promised land. He's forming his people. Listen to what God says. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now, skip down in your notes to the citation of 1 Peter 2. 9 and 10. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. The Apostle Peter, 1,500 years later, Moses led Israel out around 1,500 B.C. Peter penned the letter, 1 Peter, around 50-something A.D. So about 1,500 years later, Peter is going to quote Moses, and he's going to tell us that God fulfilled this, his will, for his glory by choosing a people in Christ. But you, speaking to the Christians there, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you have been, a, now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And here's the question. How do you know who's God's people? See, we're going to see in Scripture that a practical way is they obey God's command to gather together weekly to worship God. Now, we worship God in many different ways. We worship God on the job. We worship God at home when we're raising our children. There's there's many ways that we worship God. But one of the key ways in Scripture is what's called the Holy Assembly, the congregation of God's people. So membership in a church 
is saying, I'm going to identify with a particular group of people. That's going to be my people, a local church. Now, let's see if the data of Scripture supports that. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And 1 Timothy 3, 15 says, if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Okay, who is that church in Miami? Where is that church in Miami? Hey, guys. Lesson three. I'm not sure what page. Who is that church in Miami? Where is that church? We are. Just us? Or is it all the believers in Miami? All the believers believers in Miami. So why, Roman numeral two, why should I join a local church? Why should I join a local church? Isn't it true that we're all part of the church? Isn't it true as that person said to me, hey, I I, I love Jesus. I, I come here. I'm a member here. Isn't that true? Yes and no. (laughs) Look at Roman numeral A under point two. While all genuine believers are members of the universal church, a body of Christ. By the way, the body of Christ is one of the metaphors or word pictures the Bible uses for the church. The body of Christ. Therefore, if the, the, the Bible uses this metaphor of a body, then being united to one another is very important, isn't it? It wouldn't be my body if someone cut my finger off and took it three blocks down the road and put it in a mailbox, would it? That's a gross image. I'm so sorry. It would no longer be part of my body. It would be separated from my body. And so you and I, if we're not part of a local body, aren't really members. Now, what does that mean? We're going to explore that in a moment. You know, But do you see the picture here? Yes. But okay. the, the finger would, would be just a finger. And your hand would be just a hand. Yeah. I, I know you're saying it's grotesque, but still, yes. the function of each would not be the same without it. Exactly. Other. It would lose its functionality. Yeah, exactly. You got it. And that's exactly what we're going to explore. Church membership is biblical. In Acts 2.47, it says, And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So they were added together in the church. Acts 5.13. None of the rest dared join them. So they're, they're, they're meeting together. But the people held them in high esteem. There's a discernible group. So so we see in Scripture that in the early church, they gathered together in a discernible group. We also see that a local church context or church membership is necessary for for pastoral care. Acts 20.28 in your notes. Acts 20.28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So how can you care for one another if you're not knowing one another, gathering together with one another? This is why we do community groups. It's really hard for someone to care for you if the only time they see you is on a Sunday morning, if they don't know you, if you don't let yourself be known. It's hard. You know, We can care for Douglas and Tanya because I knew Douglas was suffering with Bell's palsy because he came to our group. He came to our house for a meeting and we were able to pray for him. Otherwise, I would have just watched Douglas walk into church on a Sunday morning with sunglasses on and think, wow, he thinks he's all that, doesn't he? But little did I know he had Bell's palsy and his eye was incredibly painful and he had to have the sunglasses on to protect his eye. Well, I can't find that out unless we create a context where we get to know each other. It takes commitment. That's one of the things about membership, more than just coming on a Sunday morning, but committed to, to joining my life with others. 
Otherwise, this text can't be fulfilled. How can you care for the flock if you don't know who it is? I can't care for a believer in Homestead right now. I don't know him. Okay, church, so church membership is also an assumed context for church discipline, and that's a good thing. It's a grace from God, church discipline. Matthew 18 tells us that. Matthew 18, 15, and 17, and 1 Corinthians 5, they both describe situations in which believers are to confront other believers who are persisting in a sinful way of life. And this can only happen if we know each other, if we have relationships. I mentioned this before, the clear biblical metaphors for church membership, the clear biblical metaphors for the church, we already talked about them, are this, a temple, a flock, a body, all of those, all of those speak to connection. You can't be part of a flock if you decide that you're going to hang out on another ridge and the rest of the sheep are on this ridge over here. The shepherd is going to come get you and say, come over here, please. Boom. Now to your illustration of the finger. I'm I'm not going to make a joke there. But to your illustration of the finger. If my finger is over in a mailbox five blocks away, it is not able to function in my body. That's the body metaphor. Charles Spurgeon, who's a great guy for you to read about, Charles Spurgeon, a preacher, a Baptist preacher in England, said this. He's going to now pick up on this metaphor, the church is a temple. Okay, listen to what Spurgeon said. It's in your notes, by the way. Charles Spurgeon. It's all the way down under B. Uh, Under 2B is the Spurgeon quote, wherever 2B is. To be or not to be? That's not Spurgeon. That's Shakespeare. To be. This is Spurgeon. I know there are some who say, well, I have given myself to the Lord, but I do not intend to give myself to any church. Now, why not? Because I can be a Christian without it. Are you quite clear about that? You can be as good a Christian by disobedience to your Lord's commands as by being obedient. Now think of the metaphor of a temple. Jesus, one of the metaphors in the scriptures of the church is of a temple, a building. Okay. Now think of a building like a red brick building. I went to the University of Florida, up in Gainesville, all the campus buildings are red brick. Are you a gator? No, but I have a lot of friends who are. Man, if you were a gator, that would be it. That would seal the deal right there. (laughs) And so there's a lot of red brick buildings, right? In fact, there's a joke about one of those buildings that I won't tell you. So imagine now, we're all one of those red bricks, all right? So Spurgeon says this. There is a brick. What is it made for? To help build a house. It is of no use for that brick to tell you that it is just as good a brick while it is kicking about on the ground as it would be in the house. Same idea with the finger. My finger is not going to work as well in the mailbox three blocks away than it is on my hand, okay? It is a good-for-nothing brick. (laughs) I love Spurgeon. So you, Rolling Stone Christians. (laughs) You know, people who just go around, they never really join a church, they never get committed, they just kind of critique the sermons, they critique the youth group, they critique the singles, they critique the building, they they just like, serve me, 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 me. I'm tired of talking about me, now you talk about me for a while. And they just kind of move around, you know, they get to, they go to the biggest rock star church, the biggest rock star preacher, the biggest rock star bands, they never really settle. Not that that would be a problem in South Florida at all. 
But that's maybe who Spurgeon's speaking to right here. So you, Rolling Stone Christians, I do not believe that you are answering your purpose. You are living contrary to the life which Christ would have you live, and you are much to blame for the injury that you do. Why? Because the finger that's not attached to the hand can't help the body. Because the brick that's not part of the building can't build the building. And so that's why our appeal to you is membership has to be meaningful, biblically. That's why we require five weeks. Listen, it used to be 12 when we first planted the church. What was I thinking? And, uh, and then we reduced it to 11, and then 10, and then 6. And you are the first class that it's 5. It's all because of you, Jose. Thank you. Are you eating in my class? No, Just joking, man. Go ahead. <laughs> it's messing with Lisa better going, oh, man. El pastor. Le va a poner en disciplina. All right, so the Roman numeral three, why should I join this church? Well, after listening to this teaching, you answer the question. I shouldn't. We're gone. <laughs> we don't automatically assume that you should join Pompous, and hopefully, you know, I joke a lot, I kid a lot. Jim Britt does as well, so, you know, you guys are getting a lot of joking. But honestly, we don't assume you should. And, and my appeal to you isn't that you, you join this church. I would love for you to explore that. We'd love to have you. But my appeal is you join a church. Meaningfully participate, that you are known and that you know others, that you find a place where you can serve. You know, that all the stuff that you see set up in the hallways didn't get there by itself. You know, they weren't little hall elves that set this up overnight and then we just got here. And these are actually people that served you and me. And John, you served me, so thank you. So, so what we're doing is we're looking at this church to see, should this be the church I joined? So here's the question. What kind of church are we? Now we're in Roman numeral three. What kind of church are we? Are we? All right. I love being in South Florida because when I say this first one, a lot of people go, yeah, that's the first time I've heard that when you mention church. We're an evangelical church. And particularly in South Florida, that would be in contradistinction to a Catholic church. Now, if you have a question about that, most of us here probably grew up with some form of Catholicism in our lives. My grandparents attended Our Lady of the Lakes. I remember going there as a child, hating it, because I was unregenerate, not because it was that church, but I didn't understand anything about God. And I remember my grandfather died. They set a mass from there. I you know, got some history in that church. My uncle lived right around the corner. Uh, but it was meaningless to me because I wasn't a believer. It didn't happen until later in my life. But an evangelical church basically means two things, reading from the notes. We believe that the Bible is God's word and is therefore our final authority in all matters of life and doctrine. A a difference with the Catholic Church is they would add church dogma would be part of what they would base, um, how you base your life, on uh, how you should live your life. They, They say and church dogma, church teaching, specifically when the Pope would speak ex cathedra. So that's the difference between Catholicism and evangelicalism. And secondly, we believe people need to be saved by responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ alone. By faith alone, in Christ alone, through God's grace alone. Those are hallmarks of evangelicalism. Okay, There's actually two more, but those are the key ones that I want you to think about. By faith alone, in Christ alone. So for example, the Catholic Church, you would have to add works specifically the work of attending Mass, taking the sacraments. 
And in the Catholic Church, the righteousness is, is, is it becomes yours when you ingest the Eucharist. It's a big, big difference. Evangelicals say it's a foreign righteousness, like a coat that I put on my shoulders. It's Christ's righteousness. And I live by faith in that righteousness alone. I'm going to take questions at the end. Because I, I didn't tell you this, I'm recording online. No, it's fine. And you, you didn't know either, but that's fine. I love interaction, but I am recording. Because we're so famous. No, I'm just joking. We're redoing our, our lessons. That's why I'm recording it. Okay, that's a lot. If that's new to you, praise God that you're here. Let's make an appointment. Let's talk. Let's talk. Okay, let's talk. That's why we want you to come to the class. We want you to ask a gazillion questions. We're going to give you a lot of scripture, and then you pray, and you speak with your loved ones or whomever, and you say, Lord, is this the church for me? Is this church biblical? We don't want you to just start coming because you like the music, or you like the preaching, or you like the coffee, or you like to sit in a middle school room. Doubt you like that. Uh, we want you to come because God's leading you here, and the doctrine is right, and the preaching is sound, and people love each other, and there's reality. And we're not perfect, and we sin all the time, but we really do try to love each other. We're trying to walk this thing out. That's why you should come. And it takes time to explore that. That's why it's a process. If you take church seriously. If you take it seriously. Next, we're reformed in our theology. What does that mean? That means we embrace the general tenets of the Reformation. Martin Luther, John Calvin, of Reformed theology, a view of the teaching of Scripture that places God at the center of all things and places emphasis on the activity of God and the glory of God in saving sinners. Huge group. Now now you're taking Catholicism and Evangelicalism and and forming a separation. And then in in, in Evangelicalism, you're taking Reformed theology... And I know I'm probably getting a little deep here, and I'm sorry, but I'm going to get there, and then you can write this down and ask me later. With a, a way of understanding Scripture, the fancy word for that is a hermeneutic. Hermeneutic, okay? It's not a German guy. It's, it's the word for the science of how we study Scripture, a hermeneutic. How are we going to view Scripture? Through the, 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 the prism or the glasses of the covenant of God, what's called covenantal theology, which is very similar to Reformed theology. One covenant post-fall called the covenant of grace. Or are we going to view and try to understand Scripture through what's called dispensationalism? Two huge separations here. And typically, not always, but typically in the dispensationalism world, uh, the, 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 the onus or the emphasis is on man and his ability to come to God, Arminianism. And typically the emphasis over in covenantal theology with the covenantal hermeneutic is that the emphasis is on God, which is Reformed theology. God chooses us. We, yes, respond, but it's God who chooses us. I think you heard all that teaching in the first class on the gospel, how we respond to the gospel. Whereas over in dispensationalism, Arminianism, it would be more, no, no, I, there's enough good in me that I can choose God, or he's going to give everybody a chance to choose him. Huge separation. There's many other things we could talk about. But we are reformed in our theology. And finally, we're continuationists. And typically, reformed and continuationists don't go together, okay? What does this mean? It means that, that we believe in the present-day work of the Holy Spirit in the many ways that the Spirit is described and manifested in Scripture. So what are the defining values of Palm Vista Community Church? Here they are. Number one, the gospel. The gospel, to be part of Palm Vista is to love the gospel. The gospel is the central message. If I were to ask you, do you know what the gospel is? 
Now, I will, I will ask you that. If you choose to take the next step, which is after taking our course, you then choose to go for a pastoral interview because you say, hey, Al, I want to explore this further. Uh, neither this class obligates you to membership, neither a pastoral interview obligates you to membership. It's something we offer, you know, where we sit down for an hour, two, three, however long you want. I've got these many questions. Hey, pastor, can you pray for me about these things? You know, it's, it's a time of ministry and encouraging one another. At the end of that process, you may say, I don't think this is the church for me. That's cool. We've had people say that and actually go to another church. We've had people say, ah, I don't think this is the church for me yet. Can I just keep coming and not join? Yeah, absolutely. You know? Uh, so, so after that interview, um, or at that interview, excuse me, my first question to you is going to be this, what is the gospel? So get ready to answer that one, because that's the basis. And then I'm going to ask you, in essence, are you saved? Because if you want to join Palm Vista, the number one requirement, the number one requirement is that God has chosen you and you have bowed your knee and bowed your heart and repented of your sins and placed your faith in Jesus Christ. And I'm going to ask you your testimony. And so that, that's, we start there. And sometimes that takes hours. I mean, some people have bigger testimonies than others in the sense of, you know, there's a little more complication in their testimonies. And, uh, and we talk about the gospel. And some people say to me, I don't understand the gospel. Okay, let's talk about it. You know, let's talk about it. It's Jesus Christ. His perfect life, his sacrificial death, his resurrection from the dead and his ascension. That's the gospel. And, and so that's got to be the foundation of the church. Jesus is the foundation of the church. Next, the Holy Spirit. To be part of Palm Vista is to value the active presence of God and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Like I said, we're continuationists. We believe that the gifts of the Spirit all have come forward to today. And this finds expression in our emphasis on corporate worship, our appreciation of and earnest desire for spiritual gifts, times of personal ministry and home groups. We now call them community groups. This is an old copy that I'm reading from. Did you say community groups or home groups? Anybody reading that, that little paragraph? Oh, it says home. Home? Okay, I need to change it. And after the Sunday meeting and an overall desire to cultivate a lifestyle of faith-filled dependence upon God. So, so what does that look like? Okay, what does that look like? What it looks like is this. When, when the Bible says that God gives gifts to his people, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about this, uh, as well as 14, for the common good, we believe that those gifts include both supernatural, miraculous gifts and supernatural, non-spectacular gifts. And we've talked about those, from serving to praying for someone to be healed it's, these are things that God gives to the church as he wills. Why? To build up the church. So we're encouraging you. you know, what does it mean to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 14.1? What does that mean? You know, what, is your, what is your hermeneutic? What is your understanding about the gifts of the Holy Spirit? How do they come forward? That, this is, these are huge things. They're wonderful things. We get to dialogue about Either now, after the class, maybe next week if you come a little early, we can talk about that. Usually I take about five or ten minutes to start each class, and I try to get some questions. That's how the whole church membership thing came up. I said, hey, got any questions? Yeah, you know, I've got a question. It was a great question. It was an honest question. It's a wonderful question. And so if you've got questions, and then, of course, in our membership interview, we could talk about that forever. I mean, whenever we start talking about that, that's when the, those meetings tend to go two, three, four hours. We, we roast a pig, because, you know, I'm Cuban. We roast a pig, you know, we... <laughs> Whatever. And uh, 
And that's, that's what we're about. That's what church is about. It's not an impersonal thing. It's a very personal thing built on the, the Word of God, the theology that Scripture is teaching us, okay? You may, have a, you may have a question about Reformed theology. For you, that might be brand new. Wait a second. God chose me. I didn't choose Him. Talk to me about that, Hal. Where do you see that? You know, typically, you know, we get it from both ends, you know? <laughs> it's like, well, wait a second. I never heard that before. And uh, so... That's what we want to do. All right, passion for God. To be part of Palm Vista is to cultivate growing affections for God. We never want our relationship with God to become passive or apathetic, but we desire to be ever-growing in our love for our Savior. Now, this finds expression in our corporate worship. Like, when you go into worship, you're not performing for me or anybody. But what we're hoping is that because you understand the mercies of God, you understand that God did choose you and you had nothing. You did nothing to earn God's favor. You deserve his wrath and he gives you his favor and his grace in Christ. We think that should elicit from all of us passionate worship. Now, some of us are quietly passionate. I get that. My wife's like that. She's an intense person. She was an athlete in high school. Even though she's, she's small, she's very fast. She played basketball, point guard, big high school in Detroit, Michigan. She can bring it, but she's very quiet. You would never know it. I, on the other hand, am a loudmouth. So you know when I'm being passionate. Ah! Doesn't mean you have to yell and scream during worship, but it means when, when we're singing, we're singing to God, we're singing to one another, we're trying to sing songs that are theologically informed and are profound in what they say about God. So man, I'm not just waiting for the sermon. I'm not just like, you know, a little distracted. No, no, I'm, I'm down front. I'm worshiping. I'm like, God, this is a time that in song, we're singing to you psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And then during the week, we're passionate about the Lord. We're passionate about getting together, praying together, caring for one another. Sanctification. We talked about that last week. We believe in what's called progressive sanctification. This process of growing in godliness. We, we teach very clearly that we are freed from the power and the penalty of sin, but not its presence. It's called indwelling sin. It's that thing that taps you on the shoulder and says, take that second inappropriate look. Or that tempts you to say things to your spouse or your children in anger when you said, I'm not going to get angry when I get home. I know what she's going to say to me, but I'm not going to react when you react. You know, or at work. And we're constantly fighting the fight against that stuff. The Bible calls that sanctification by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're about. We're about discipleship. Evangelism. We want to reach out to the lost. <clears throat> we want to care about the mission that God has given us in Christ Jesus. What has Jesus said? Go and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them all that I've commanded you. I am with you always, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's our mission. We're about that. We're about that. We're about sound doctrine. We believe in expository preaching. If you've not heard that term before, what that means is typically we're going to take a book of the Bible and preach through it. We're preaching through Romans right now. We're going to seek to cover the meaning of that text. This morning I get to preach from Romans 12, 1 to 2. You know, man, it's a powerful text. It's, it's affected me. I pray it affects you this morning. I pray you go to community group on Wednesday, Tuesday, or Thursday, whenever your community group meets, and that you would talk about how the sermon affected you and talk about how you're applying it as a husband and wife, how you're applying it with your children at work. Okay, so we're serious about doctrine. We're thinking through what we believe and why. Relationships. We're a relational church. 
We want to know one another. We don't want to just say hi, be polite strangers. Now, you can't know, we can't even know everybody in this room. But that's why we encourage you to find a, a community group, an expression of God's body that meets in a smaller context where the focus isn't necessarily teaching. We do teach, but it's relational. Okay, it's relational, like I told you about with uh, actually Tanya and uh, Douglas and Armando and Lisbeth. And our group's too big, so don't come to our group, okay? <laughs> In fact, I'm going to encourage you guys to start looking around to some of the other groups. Not because we don't want you, but I want you to experience all the other groups and see, where does the Lord want me? You know? Am I here? Now, we know it's, the body is a bad illustration because I know a finger belongs right here, okay? Uh, but, you know, where in the body does God want me to, 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 to you know, delve in? You know, Rochelin is part of the singles, and so they came over and met at our house a couple of weeks ago. That was a wonderful meeting. I think, Sasha, you wanted to come, but you were working that day, yeah. So that's just a smaller context where we can relate together. We can do some teaching, have fun. You guys talked forever. It was amazing. I can't believe how long you guys talked. And uh, it was great, though, right? You built relationship. And then you had an idea about feeding the poor. Hopefully we're going to do that, okay? So that's what we, relationship. And then servanthood, servanthood. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What is the mission of Palm Vista Community Church? Here's our mission statement. It's under capital C of number three. Here's our mission statement. The mission of Palm Vista Community Church. Connecting people to God, one another, and neighbor through Jesus Christ. And what drives that mission statement is the Great Commission. We find that in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. I alluded to it earlier, but let me read it for you because this really is our mission statement. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. Make disciples of all the nations. Each one of us are called to do that. That's why we are members of a church. That's why you have to be a member of an identifiable group, I think, to be fruitful in that. Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So our, our mission really is to make disciples. Your mission is to make disciples, and it starts with Lisabeth, and it starts with those three Ombrecitos in there mm-hmm. who are full of, of passion and energy and, and right but you get to you get to make disciples and the same with you and and Henry here with his great haircut <laughs> um, and those and those of us who have children that's you know we're married and those that are single to reach out to others and to be making disciples with the gospel of Jesus Christ that's what we're called to do our faith is that the gospel is the power of God for salvation justification, initially what happens when we repent and put our faith in Jesus Christ, sanctification, what's happening now to be made more and more like Jesus, and one day glorification, when Jesus comes back and we are made exactly like him, we'll receive glorified bodies, we'll be like him, we'll be glorified, this heaven and earth will be glorified, it'll be a new heaven and a new earth. That is the full-orbed salvation, and it's the gospel that brings that. I love this quote by J.I. Packer in your notes right toward the end there, right before it says the church, dear to God and dear to us. Thus the sovereignty of God in grace gave Paul hope of success as he preached to deaf ears, held up Christ before blind eyes, and sought to move stony hearts. His confidence was that where Christ sends the gospel, there Christ has his people, fast bound at present in the chains of sin, but due for release at the appointed moment through a mighty renewing of their hearts as the light of the gospel, remember what the gospel is, shines into their darkness and the Savior draws them to himself. And that's our desire. And that's what we want you guys to explore. Is this the place to do that? 
Like I said, the fact that you're called to do it, no question. I don't know that you're called to do it here. I hope you are. Most of you I've already spoken to and really enjoy talking with you. And um, I, would love, I would love it if God called you here, but you need to be somewhere. And so thank you for coming this morning at 8.45 on a Sunday morning.